0: Introduce ourselves. Uh, my name's Jenny. I'm associate vicar here at All Saints. Uh, many of you I know, but some I don't. So um, thanks for being here this evening. Uh... Hi,
1: I'm, I'm Jonathan. I'm also a vicar here. Whoa, with a great um, voice, with a slight echo on it at times. <laughs>
2: Hi, I'm Hannah, uh, I've been uh, coming to All Saints for maybe 20, over 20 years, let's not talk about that, quite a while um, now, and when I'm not at All Saints, uh, I work at a theological college in central London, um, training vicars for the Church of England, which is great fun. I didn't train either of these, so they're way beyond me. <laughs>
0: so that said, uh, no, uh, no blame can be attached to Hannah for anything that Jonathan and I now say. Um, <laughs> So the idea of tonight, as I say, is um, we are looking ahead to celebrating Christmas. Um, there might be all sorts of ways in which we celebrate that: nativity plays, um, cheesy films, Christmas carols, all that kind of thing. Um, and the conviction that we share is that there is there is a, a, a core life-transforming, world-transforming truth at the heart of all this celebration, um, and that we want to we want to be. Um, uh, kind of focused on that and sometimes it can get a bit uh, lost um, and sometimes we can kind of we can be a bit bamboozled by Christmas but we want to be focusing on that as we look ahead um, not only for ourselves for us all to kind of enter this season to know confidence in what's what's to come uh, but also so we can share with others um, We might have some questions about how we do that we want to do this in a kind of a discussion way we want to be open to your questions we will try and make some space as we go along and there might be some chance for you to talk to the people next to you we'll see how we go Um, but i thought we would start by just asking for uh, jonathan and hannah and myself for you what what's why do you celebrate christmas what for you is what makes this more than just um some story that That happens in the winter one sort of an excuse for a party what for you is the heart of what makes you celebrate Hannah do you want to start with that
2: okay thank you Jenny Um, I think it's fair to say that Christmas out of all of the festivals is the one where you really have to intentionally focus on the Christian significance of it because like let's be honest Pentecost we're just left to our own no one's luring (laughs) us into some alternative celebration of Pentecost and even Easter isn't uh, you know that competitive but there's lots of competing voices I think at Christmas time and so you do really have to stop and it's good to take that moment to think what is it mm-hmm. that as a Christian I believe so, is, is distinctive and important about Christmas and I think for me to use a, the, probably the one theological word I'm going to use at the night is incarnation, that's what we celebrate at Christmas and incarnation means in fleshment carne, carn, carnivorous so it's it's a very um, sort of human kind of concept, human word, the sort of enfleshment of God, the idea that God takes on human flesh. Now, no other religion in the world has that idea. There are holy men, there are holy women, there are holy prophets, there is God, there are gods, but only the Christian faith has this, this idea that God takes on human flesh, that he walks. Um, you know, as a first uh, century Palestinian Jew- Jewish person, that he lived a historical figure um, in time, in, in real space and time, a person that people could reach out and touch and, and know. And I think for me, that's the heart of, of the Christian message that, that God came to earth, that he was present. Um, Emmanuel, meaning God with us, that, that God actually walked on the earth um you know physical footprints he left his mark and i think for me that's that's you know i mean there's so much more you can say about christmas but just the heart of of the distinctiveness of the christian message that that god walks amongst us and he continues to walk amongst us today uh by his spirit but that we can look back to 2000 years ago and say that is where god god walked and 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 that's never happened before. Um, and that's a, a unique event um, in the history of the world.
1: Yeah, so.
0: great. Thank you. Jonathan, how about
1: you? How would you answer that? Um, we were talking earlier on stage anyhow in this church uh, this last week we had a year one class. And one great question had uh, three words from a little girl over here. Is Jesus real? Christmas reminds me of the answer. Jesus is real, as, as you said, Hannah incarnated in the flesh. And the word story can conjure up ideas of something made up once upon a time. The fact is, uh, Christmas reminds us that this once upon a time was a real time in history. Um, His story of Jesus coming into earth is, is a fact. I used to work in a newsroom. We were covering stories the whole time, not fictional stories are real stories that made a difference. And we wanted to make a difference to those we are broadcasting these stories to. It's the same at Christmas. It's God um, actually narrowcasting, if you like, to one person at a time, That one called Emmanuel. That means God with us. Perhaps more importantly, it means God with you, uh, singular, with me, singular. And the Christmas story in history is about God becoming real, to individuals in the story, so real to Herod that he goes on a a murderous spree, awful sides of real history mixed in with the beauty of um, God's made flesh, to get to the reality and the grit and the guts of our real life in 2021, soon to be 22, is what Christmas is all about, God coming, Emmanuel, God with us. Mm.
0: I think you have both taken words that I, w- I wanted to talk about as well um, about this incarnation of Emmanuel being that for me is what is transformational. This is about God with us. Um, so uh, let me throw in another one, um, uh, which is about um, uh, yeah, w- which is about how um, how God is knowable. How this is a God who who has. I've have sometimes heard this word before, and I've been a bit like, what do I what do I think about God having a personality? Um, that this is a God who has made Himself present. He's made Himself known. He communicated about Himself. He's revealed Himself. He wants to be known. He wants to be known by us, and we see that um, in 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 the vulnerability of Him being born as a as a baby who. You know, uh, at that, I think at that stage, when, when, when Jesus was born, I've heard something that, uh, you know, the uh, infant mortality rate was like 50%. Mm-hmm. You know, he was so vulnerable, um, literally physically vulnerable, um, and uh, he, uh, I think at that, yeah, that, to to grow to your 16th birthday again was a was a was a really really risky thing in Palestine 2,000 years ago. God made himself knowable and made himself vulnerable to do that out of love. I think that uh, that's the heart. Um, so a lot of similar things. So uh, let's move on to, um, to talking about our confidence in this. Um, because we're basing this um, we're basing this on something, right? We're basing what we what we rejoice in about Christmas on, on a confidence. Um, we, we don't believe this is a made-up story, we don't believe this is fictional. Again, same question to I guess all of us, and then we'll open up and see if there are any questions here. Um, Can you give us a starter on why you have confidence in this? Why you have confidence in sharing why this is such good news? Either of you want to jump in on that?
1: So the the Christmas story, um, the real uh, history of Christmas, does reflect so many things we see about God in the whole of Scripture and in the whole of my experience of uh, life. It gives me confidence that the character of God reflected in everything we read about the Christmas story, in Matthew's account, in Luke's account, the uh, significance described by John, the Gospel writer, reflects exactly, for example, the prophecies all about Jesus. One of the prophecies by a prophet called Micah, um, chapter 5, I think, describes where Jesus is going to be born uh, in Bethlehem. You couldn't have predicted that. And many prophecies in the Old Testament give us confidence the one who was foretold is the one who is in Jesus. And finally, the fact, well, not finally, but another thing, is that given the fact we're in year 2021, the world acknowledges through its calendar that 2,021 years ago, something significant happened. Somebody important was born. Um, You don't have to be a Christian to... Let that, um, yeah, be digested in your soul. Lots of things give me confidence. Great. How
2: about you, Hannah? Um, I guess I I might want to talk about the the different accounts that we have um, in the Gospels um, of Jesus' birth. Um, And to me, they have, you know, you look for what's the sort of ring of truth in in looking at a historical document. Now, there's different ways we can examine this. um, But just take, for example, we've got two accounts of Jesus' birth. We've got Matthew's Gospel, we've got Luke's Gospel. Now, those two accounts, um, they are similar. They're saying the same thing, but actually they're different as well. And that's what you would expect, isn't it, in a court where people give their eyewitness account, that the stories line up as to exactly what happens. But people also perceive different details of the events that unfold. Um, and so I think comparing those two um, accounts is really, is really helpful because if this was just going to be a made-up account, then you'd get your stories straight, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah. Um, And I think another thing about looking at those um, early sort of accounts of of the birth of Jesus um, is there's some elements in there that I think if we were going to make it up, we might leave out. Um, Because there are some some problematic bits. You know, this idea of a teenage girl, a virgin becoming pregnant. Um, You know, there's some uncomfortable things about um, the Christmas story um, that we have to wrestle with. Um, people don't always believe you know Joseph when he's told your wife is having um, you know bearing the Messiah and he's like no I'm not going to believe you know I'm not going to believe that Um, whereas often with mythical stories they're they're just sort of instantly believed and and accepted whereas there's this kind of wrestle with the truth of the story actually in in the text which all points towards it being a reliable um, historical sort of account of of the events that, that actually happened and one of the things we need to look at is what actually did happen compared to the versions that we might celebrate in a nativity play or, or whatever but maybe we'll come to that in in yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'd
0: love to. You know, if there are any questions around some of that stuff about what the what the nativity accounts do do say, what they do convey, what what can we hold on to it would yeah, be great to get to that, get into that, as you say. Yeah. I equally, I find the um, the uh, the more I kind of get into those accounts, particularly in Luke and Matthew, who are the main gospel writers who talk about the birth of Jesus, the more kind of layers there are, which unpack a kind of a confidence and um, uh, Matthew writing from a Jewish perspective and kind of re- uh, bringing along side um bringing these these scripture, these prophecies in as jonathan said from from many many years ago from from in some cases centuries before and um and showing how they were fulfilled in jesus's birth i did some studies around this um, a few years ago and um i uh one of the things i kind of was was studying and by people much clever reading books by people much clever than me um, and who have done much more analysis on this than me that they uh people people might say oh well didn't he just like make the stories up to kind of fit in with the pattern but that's actually not the way those gospels work and actually it wasn't the way that people were looking at those prophecies at the time when jesus was born it wasn't like there's this package of prophecies that people thought okay that will reveal that will be the truth of the messiah and then we'll just plug in the details um it was. A, I, I love to imagine how Matthew and other uh, uh, early Jewish Christians were kind of reading these scriptures that they'd known all their lives and suddenly going, oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> you know, that, that, uh, Nazareth, uh, Bethlehem, oh, you know, all this kind of thing. And they were kind of recognizing as they went through. It wasn't that, like, that Matthew was, like, plugging in the details. It was like um, he's... He's he's reading his own scriptures afresh and recognizing uh, that the God who's been at work for centuries and millennia before was suddenly at work in a new way at this time. Um. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we might come back to those accounts. But I thought perhaps we can take a little bit of a, um, uh, a pause from any questions that I've got and see if there are any questions that anyone here has got or things that you think it would be interesting for us to talk about or things that you have got to, 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 to tell us. I mean, you know, we don't have all the answers for sure. So maybe you've got some things to say. Um, does anyone want to... Uh, Ruby. Ruby.
3: I think what gives me confidence and what makes me believe is that nothing's changed. Mm. You know, like that story is not something distant. There's probably more refugees on the planet now than ever before. Mm-hmm. There's probably more children being born in barns or born on beaches in refugee camps than ever before. So for me, this is not about looking back. This is about looking into this present moment mm. and see how that incarnation and what Jesus is actually saying that, like, I am with the most broken. Yeah. I am yeah. with the most rejected. Yeah. I yeah. am here for you. I'm here for the people that no one else is here for. Yeah. Never been more relevant yeah. than in 2021. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's where my confidence comes from, is that I see that in these stories, in these stories, God is giving me a message for now as yeah. much as reflecting something of the past. Yeah, you know? that's so so good. I think, yeah. I think it's, um, it's encouraging to think of it As something present, rather than something. Yeah, that's so good,
0: Ruby. Yeah, I totally agree that. um, Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's so distinctive as well, isn't it? That 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 this was like a a bit like Hannah was saying that this is a god who makes himself present, not in a palace and not in a, you know, not in a um a, a tidied up place, but in a in a broken world, and that is the world that we see. Like we read the accounts and we're like, yeah. That that makes sense, and we and we see that God is not absent from that; he doesn't absent Himself, but kind of makes Himself present right in the middle of it. It's uh, I think the unsentimentality of of you know the true Christmas story is uh, is uh, what well, it's yeah it's ruthlessly unsentimental. It's about. Um, God, you know, almighty God making himself present in the most broken circumstances. Thank you. That's so helpful. Brilliant. Brilliant. Anyone else got something to... Uh, Ruby, set the bar high with her, uh, <laughs> with her comment. Anyone got something, a question or an input or a comment? Madeline. Um, oh, here we go. Meg is going to be getting her steps in <laughs> by uh, running around with her.
2: This is a slightly different thing. I wish they would bounce. No carols said, Christmas. Jesus was not born and I just screamed <laughs> because he wasn't. We don't know exactly when he was born, but it very seldom snows in, the, in, the, in the Jerusalem
0: anyway. For anyone who couldn't hear that, I don't know how the, well the microphone was working, Madeline was just saying... Don't sing carols about snow. We don't know that he was born on the twenty fifth of December, and definitely, ought, no. We don't know that it was sewing: <laughs>
2: In the bleak midwinter is such a lovely carol <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't to sing it. <laughs>
0: let's talk a little bit about that as madeline's saying like um uh, we, we don't know uh, that we we don't know that he was born on 25th of december in fact he probably almost certainly wasn't but uh, there are scholars differ about exactly when he was born um, and so there and there might be a bit of a kind of does it matter does it matter the, these these kind of questions that go on so either of you got anything to say about kind of that kind of the accuracy of the date um and also again like When we're singing about snow in the bleak midwinter, um, or I mean, my my personal cringe favourite is um, Little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I mean, really, like he was a baby, of course he cried. Um, So there are carol things that kind of make us cringe. Okay, do we need to? Do we need to? I'm I'm not about to put a moratorium on um, Away in a Manger, but um, but maybe there are things that we could talk about in accuracy of the things that we sing. Or the things,
1: the ways that we celebrate. Yeah, I I think it's a really great question to ask. What does matter? And uh, John, the gospel writer, talks right at the beginning of his gospel, of John, about what matters. What's the meaning of it? What matters is that God became one of us, as we heard, as you said, Ruby. How God became one of us, as was foretold by uh, the prophets, becoming. well, entering amongst the last, the least, the lost, how he grew up. He was despised and a man of sorrows, coming to uh, having a mother as unmarried mother, as you said, a teenager, in all sorts of extraordinary ways. God is giving us a message of where his priorities are, coming into the reality of earth, coming as a sign of hope, of light, and the light has not overcome um light has come into the world and the darkness could not overcome it, says John. Uh, These are the things that matter. When he was born, probably doesn't. That he was born is critical.
2: Yeah. Um, Maybe um, I'll add, I'm going to just put it out there and say I don't think Jesus was born on the 25th of December. I'm sorry if that ruins your Christmas um, for you. I think it's uh, most... You know, there's different opinions about what time of year, but the fact that the shepherds are out in the field and their sheep and possibly lambs indicates it might have been springtime rather than winter as we um, would understand it. And we know that there was an existing festival on the 25th of December that became Christianized as the Emperor Constantine became converted and became a Christian and so sort of solemnized and sort of put an official date, if you like, to, to Christmas. But I'm with Jonathan, that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, and isn't it wonderful to have a faith that actually doesn't, you know, hinge on knowing the exact date? Um, that Jesus was born, but the fact of his birth, that's what we have, um, you know, written down in, in the Gospels. It doesn't say in the Gospels, you know, the particular date and time. I mean, we can date it from obviously the census, so there are, there are indications in there, um, in the accounts um, about about the date. Um, But it is the fact, um, you know, it is the fact of of his birth. And I think that's one of the really helpful things to do, is to sort of distinguish, like we keep saying, between the sort of, um, I guess, the fairy tale picture of Christmas um, and actually what the Bible does say. And so it's a good thing to do over this Advent season is to go back and and read the accounts and say, what does it really, really, really say um, about Christmas? Um, and to make sure that when we're talking with people we're talking about the things that it really does say and not the kind of ideas that we might just have, have picked up.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll find the accounts, are, um, in a good way, can quite disturb us. You know, I think when, when, you know, this is God Almighty who was born, and, you know, when that happens, our foundations rock a little bit, and I think they should, you know? Um, so, so I think, yeah, to go back to the, uh, to the accounts and to, um, to, to, to see how they shake us, is, I think, is a good thing. I was just wanting to come back to this thing around snow, singing carols about snow. <laughs> totally hearing what you say, Madeleine. Um, but I wonder if there's something in the fact... Of just to, to bring another carol line into the conversation, I think one of my favorite lines in a carol is in a um, uh, little town of Bethlehem. Um, it says, Where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. That um, this is, yes, it is a, an account of something that happened 2,000 years ago, roughly, um, in Palestine. And it's, it's important that it, you know, all that histori- historicity is important. But um, as Hannah was saying, like we this is an incarn a God who made himself present, who incarnated himself. And so actually the fact that poets and artists and songwriters mm. and um, creative people, filmmakers, um, and even, you know, primary school children over the years have kind of um, got that God that, that this is God with us, that this is God who gets our humanness and so have brought their own stuff to it. You know, we have snow it, uh, This is a God who knows what snow is. Um, I I think some of of that kind of creativity can help us us inhabit that truth that this is God with us. I remember hearing once um, a speaker saying that um, uh, that, uh, one of the um, old, old images of of Jesus found in in these islands was was up north in Scotland. Um, No, it wasn't of Jesus. It was of Mary. And Mary, in in this image that was painted centuries and centuries ago i can't remember exactly which century and she had ginger hair um, now of course it was extremely unlikely that mary had ginger hair she was a palestinian uh, woman um but there uh, up in the uh, up in the north of north of these, uh, this island uh, up in scotland most people had ginger hair so they were like this is a woman who is like us who is who is who we identify with her she identified with us mm. we identify with her Uh, the only human dna that jesus had was was mary's so the implication was that jesus would have had ginger hair now of course again jesus did not have ginger hair but i think what that 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 ancient celtic artist was trying to do in their picture was like this is a god who made himself present he moved into the neighborhood as the Mm. translation of the message bible puts it Um, he moved into into a neighborhood which i get he gets my stuff he gets what it is to be a bit, uh, to be human. He gets what it is to be hurt. He gets what it is to be vulnerable. He gets what it is to be joyful. Um, so I think when we sing about that snow, the reason I'm not throwing them all out immediately is that I think there is some room for our kind of um, prayerful, devotional imagining of, of a God who gets us, a God who came close to us. Um, now, of course, we can go too far with that and we can kind of insist that our picture of God is the only picture that, that matters, um, and that's why we're in community. We get to kind of um rejoice in one another's images and pictures. Claire's got her hand up.
2: I, school, I was told at school that Jesus definitely
3: had orange hair. Because <laughs> that's why everybody recognised him as the son of David, because David had orange hair.
0: We're going down. We're going down an orange hair line here. <laughs> so uh, Claire was just saying, for anybody who couldn't hear, that um, that she had. Her, she she was taught at school that Jesus did have ginger hair because um, through the line of David, David having ginger hair, then uh, Jesus <laughs> Jesus would have done. I think the truth is we we don't really, and probably I, I think it's slightly unlikely that Jesus had ginger hair. He was a Palestinian Jew. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I, I think, I, I, as I say, I think the important thing is for us to know Emmanuel, God with us, and he, uh, and yeah, he's he's born in us today, born uh, with Jesus, where meek souls will will receive and still into Peckham in 2021, the dear Christ enters in. Um, do you want to come to the microphone, Claire, so we can hear you?
2: This is another peculiar question that I've always wondered about. Is why? Let me give this one to Hannah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Why, and the Orthodox Church are more perhaps hot on this. Why Joseph is always painted as an old man and Mary a young girl? Where does that come from? Because there's nothing that is it in the Apocrypha, or why do they all think he's?
0: Old. so why was joe why joseph sometimes in some imagery particularly in the orthodox church portrayed as an old man what i've heard is that um, we don't see joseph later on in the gospels um that we um when jesus was crucified um joseph isn't kind of represented in that in that part of the story um uh and the pre- presumption is that he was significantly older than mary so he maybe died earlier of course again we don't actually know um uh that's what i've heard anyone else hear anything different
2: I guess, I mean, we know that Mary was very young. She was a teenage, teenage girl. So we do know that there is um, this age gap between her and, and Joseph. And I think it wasn't uncommon for there to be that kind of, um, you know, be, to be that kind of, of age gap. Um, but I guess these things um, become adopted, and different denominations take on a different sort of tradition. And sometimes what we're sifting between again is you know, what the scripture actually tells us, which it does tell us that Mary was a young virgin. Um, but, and we don't, unlike you say, we don't have Joseph there at, towards the end of Jesus' life. Um, but some of that is just tradition as well the idea of um, you know, an old, older man, Joseph.
1: It does, um, from Matthew's telling of how Joseph um, is involved in the Christmas story, he would appear, by my reading anyway, to be older than Mary. He's described as a righteous man. Um, And it seems that he, I mean, he, like Mary, like all of the characters in the Christmas uh, story, is definitely taking a huge step of faith. I mean, he's really... um, you're challenged in all his expectations as the different characters are by this appearance of God. He certainly appears to be older and also um, full of integrity, chosen by God to be, yes, a key player in this, um, in this amazing story. To be re-amazed uh, by the story, familiar though it is, I think is really important It's part of the, the wonder of Christmas. At CJ. Um,
3: navigating alternative Christmas themes during this time as a Christian, so consumerism, capitalism, greed, lack, and Santa Claus, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll repeat the question. It's a great one, uh, and actually, this might be one we could start off with, but then we might ping it back. Maybe we could ping it back to you guys as well. Um, so navigating, there are some different narratives that go on at this time: uh, consumerism, uh, capitalism, uh, Santa, what others? Greed, we, and, gre- lack. greed and lack. Yeah. Um, how do we navigate? I guess kind of conversations around this. How do we engage in these kind of different narratives? And, and with engaging
3: with non-Christians as well. Yeah. And children how do we engage with children who are really getting fed this in a very
0: intense way yeah how do we engage with the questions how do we engage with people who's that's their Christmas because they they maybe don't have the the Jesus story Um, tips, thoughts in so many
2: ways
1: well, it'd be great to hear what uh, what, you, what you think. But one say, take consumerism. I heard Black Monday. Apparently, uh, well, where I read 9.2 billion is uh, spent uh, this year. Apparently, but there is a movement. Um, maybe it's been going on for years, but I only heard about it this year, of don't buy anything on Monday. And there is some sort of a revolt. It's a healthy revolt in the human spirit, I think, that's a wake-up call to the consumerism that is around. At the same time, not to make out that Jesus is a killjoy, um, because that could be the message, oh, you're not allowed to buy anything for Christmas. Uh, but consumerism is definitely awful. Jesus... Also, is not a killjoy, and so um, Christmas is about giving, and and it's but it's not about giving stuff that wrecks your finances. Um, so to walk that uh, that tightrope um, is is really important. I
2: I'd want to say maybe two two things. It's a great it's a great question. Um, one is I think we absolutely have to speak into those themes because I think the beauty of the Christian gospel is that it speaks into any time in any age. It's got something to say to consumerism, you know, that you are not um, you know worth your your material wealth, that you are more than that. You're created and, and loved by God, and we can find these sort of themes in the in the Christmas story. You know, there's greed in the. Christmas Christmas story, Herod hungry for power, um, and where does that greed kind of ultimately lead him to you know want to commit genocide of these um, you know, baby, baby boys? So there's there are these themes in the story that we can kind of find, you know, pull out and, and relate to, to the sort of the contemporary situation. So I think we could do that with any of those um, things that you um, you know you mentioned. Um, and then maybe I'll speak as a parent about kind of, you know, I'm not going to go down the hole should you tell your children about Santa Claus because I think I'm being recorded and I don't know who's watching at home. Um, but in our family, we have just always tried to make Jesus the real big deal of Christmas. Um, and so we do that with the traditions that we, you know, celebrate. I, I collect nativity sets. Um, and I hide the Jesuses away until Christmas Eve. Um, and then we find them in the house um, on Christmas Eve and put them back in, you know, each one in their little, um, little place. And that's just a little way um, of, of just making, I guess, the point um, that, that Christmas is ultimately about Jesus. Um, and your children see that sort of inequality um, amongst their friends in terms of, you know, who has loads for Christmas and, and who has um, not so much. And I think to talk about those things um, is really important. It's why, why, as a family, doing something like the cap hamper is such a good thing to do. So you're building, you know, for those of you that have children, that awareness of, um, you know maybe not everyone is as fortunate as as you or whatever your family um, circumstance. So I think there's just ways you can, in your own family or in your own life, celebrate Christmas that um, puts the focus on Jesus um, and makes it not all about kind of presents and and gifts. I love to tell my children the story of St. Nicholas, Um, you know, the historical figure, St. Nicholas, and how he stood up for, um, you know, defended the kind of Christian gospel, how he cared for you know the children who had very little, and to tell those stories as well to kind of counteract the the consumerism. Anyway, I could go on on that all night. I'm going to stop, um, but it's a great question.
0: Yeah, really good question. What I was thinking was um, uh, that the the good news is about the, the the Christmas story as we receive it from you know in the Bible. What we celebrate it. Uh, at church is that we don't we don't have to we don't make that Christmas. That is just something a Christmas that we receive. And I think the kind of um, cap, that kind of capitalist pressure that all the kind of the adverts that you know you'll all have seen magazines. I'm sure you know how make your perfect Christmas. You know how how do you create a perfect Christmas table? All that kind of thing. Um, and um, a lot of that message is about how we make it, how we make it happen. And, and that even that can that can translate is to like how we make. Um, make uh make kindness happen and we that's a good you know making kindness happen is a good thing but the thing is about um the message about god god coming down love coming down emmanuel god with us is that we didn't make that happen by our goodness we, um, we needed it because, of, because we're, stu- we're, we're stuffed without him. We needed it because that kind of capitalist, you know, that, that greed, as Hannah said, um, put us as, a, as humanity in a, in a desperate plight, a desperate plight without God. Um, and it wasn't our goodness that, that, or our efficiency at creating the perfect Christmas table that, that made God come to us. It was our desperate need of him and out of his mercy and love he came to us. What a great... Alternative it is that we, we we preach a we preach a Christmas that we don't have to make we just have to receive it um, and I think like Hannah if we find uh, like Hannah said if we find ways of celebrating that and I, I think I think the best way that we can kind of rebel against the um, mm. some of those alternative Christmases is to is to is to really se- it's to really receive the joy of that mm. to really what, whatever that looks like for us some of us that's about carving out quiet moments. Um, to ask Jesus would you come and be with me as I as I just oh. you know leading up to you know midnight communion or um or is it like going for a walk with your with your children and and spotting spotting things and and you know receiving those as gifts you know rebelling against the Christmas by, by really receiving God's love um really receiving the truth and the joy that he that he has for us I think we'll do maybe one more question um before maybe uh if if anyone has got one and then we'll um, uh, go in a slightly different direction and then do some do some praying Uh, anyone else got another question they'd like to ask
3: (laughs) okay you can ignore this if it's not helpful one of the things i struggle with is like jesus without sin and like baby jesus cool toddler jesus is where i really get confused (laughs) like when I see real kids you know I just don't I don't understand and and I and I kind of feel like he has an unfair advantage of like he's God but then if he's a real human if he's like fully human then how does that work um I don't know if anybody else wrestles with that but I do and just kind of between baby Jesus being coming into the world and like ministry Jesus Happened. How do you reconcile all of that?
0: Wow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> toddler Jesus. <laughs>
2: um, Such a lovely image, Jesus as a toddler. <laughs> I'm really enjoying just playing with that one in my mind now, there's, thinking what, Jesus the toddler.
0: There's a legend you, we, uh, that, um, that a poet has written, um, written about, but I think it was like an orthodox tradition way, way back that pictures Jesus as a child um, making, um, making making toys out of clay, and um, making birds out of clay, and the, the poet says, and, and he blessed them until they flew away. Um, I, I mean, that's beautiful. It's like it's legendary. That's not like it's not in the Bible. We don't have to kind of say yes. That's exactly what. That's definitely what happened, isn't that? I love that image. Jesus, kind of as a child, just um, finding that when he blessed something, it came to life. I mean. Um, yeah jesus is a sinless toddler uh i'm going to talk to you guys because we are both parents
2: i'm not so uh <laughs> oh for a sinless toddler that would have been <laughs> nice um i wonder whether again we need to just move away from the sentimentality of this idea of, of the christmas story Um, and to realize that by saying Jesus was a sinless human being does not mean that he was devoid of all the human emotions that are common to us. If you read the Gospels, you see Jesus gets crossed with a fig tree. He curses it. What's going on there? He gets frustrated when the disciples are slow to understand. So I kind of think toddler Jesus probably had a few frustrated moments. I think he probably had the old kind of, you know, the odd tantrum, dare I say it, because he was a, a... genuine, like fully human being who was coming to terms with having a physical body and its limitations. And so, you know, maybe there was that, you know, frustrated outcry. And and that doesn't mean that he wasn't sinless. What does, you know, what is sinless? What does sinlessness mean? You know, it means, um, you know, to be righteous, to to pursue God, to be a person of truth and justice and peace and love. And I I think that's what we see through um, the character of Jesus: is his consistent love, um, his righteousness, his compassion, his his justice, all of those things. And obviously, they grew in in him. You know, as a as a child and as a as a teenager. You know, people didn't really know that. Jesus was the Messiah until after his baptism, and you know he starts proclaiming about the kingdom and, and doing miracles. I mean the only story we have is Jesus as a 12 year old boy at the temple, and you know I guess Mary was thinking, okay, there's something about this, this child he's you know, choosing to not be out playing with his mates and he's sitting listening um, to, to hear the, the religious leaders um, talk about about scripture. Um, so we don't have a lot of stories about Jesus in those um, in intervening years, but I think he was fully human and experienced all the emotions um, that, that we do, but was without sin. And that's the marvel of the incana- incarnation and the miracle of the Christmas story too. Um,
1: if the, this was a question at St. Malitus College, I definitely wouldn't get a good mark in the essay because I don't know. <laughs> but one reflection that I had is when uh, we have two daughters and when they were growing up in the first three years of life, um, sometimes I would describe them according to my reaction. So uh, one of them, who will remain nameless, had um, slept really badly and the other one slept really well. Now that's not because, I know this is obvious, but uh, that's not because one was sinful and the other one wasn't. They just had different sleeping patterns. But I got really annoyed at the one who wouldn't sleep well. Or another stupid example is one who would get ill quite a lot. It was very uncomfortable for me. It wrecked our timetable when one of them couldn't go to school. Again, not because they were sinful. And sometimes um, our perception maybe this is just me, of other people, when they are annoying or uncomfortable, it is quite easy to put that in the uh, sinful uh, box. Jesus, one thing we know, was not uh, sinful. He was definitely annoying because God (laughs) was wanting to annoy people and upset people who needed to be upset and annoyed and frustrated. So this is not a good answer to that question, but it's just a different perception of, well, what is sin? We know Jesus wasn't, but he definitely was one who challenged, upset, annoyed people. Finally, um, he probably annoyed his parents. The one occasion we do have in here, scripture, is when he went missing. He went missing. Why was that? Because he was doing what God wanted him to do, (laughs) but his parents were pretty worried, upset, annoyed, because they couldn't find him. He was in his father's house. Good to be challenged by Jesus, as he did (laughs) <laughs> to many people, including his parents, um, his per- earthly parents, during his uh, earthly life, uh, never upset God his father. Hmm.
0: Yeah, Robert said he grew. He grew in wisdom. Yeah, he grew, in, in, um, wisdom and, yeah, he grew yeah. in wisdom. So we, yeah, he didn't. He didn't um, pop out knowing. Uh, yeah, well, he, he was a baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, head in a little bit of direction for a change direction for our for our the last bit of our time together because um uh i don't know where you're at on the on the spectrum of faith i think quite a lot of us do know and celebrate jesus as the heart of our of our christmas Uh, but perhaps all of us have got i would imagine all of us have got friends and family who maybe maybe don't and um we would love for them to know uh the good news that god is god is with us and he's for us that's best news in the universe um so um we wanted to just spend some time thinking about how we can um communicate that good news uh in this in this coming season um uh I'm just thinking about how we do this uh perhaps or perhaps you guys uh should we start with some stuff from us and then head to you guys or uh yeah let's start with some stuff from us okay so perhaps me and Jonathan and Hannah can share um a tip a thought a suggestion and then we'll ask you to talk to somebody near you and um, maybe you've got some tips and thoughts and suggestions that we can then share as a group and then we'll and then we'll pray um who wants to go first with a i've got one that somebody told me this morning so that i was going to cheat and use somebody else's idea
1: to invite people to the carol service is perhaps the greatest opportunity in the whole of the calendar because if there's there are so many regular churchgoers out, out there. They come once a year. And the once a year, not everybody, but some people come, is the uh, carols by candlelight service or midnight communion. And the reason many come is because they're invited. That's a great thing to do. And there's some invitations that are rather beautiful at the back. To um, There's the flyer on the screen, in, uh, which you can just give uh, to people.
0: Yeah, great. Um, and you can you know, get on the social old social media to um, to share uh, things like this here happening. At All Saints and and other churches are also available. I understand. Um, uh, an idea that somebody shared with me this morning was that um, in her in her, her neighbourhood she um, she's um, making she's having a little craft afternoon and making wreaths and um, making Christmas wreaths. And she did some research and um, found out that there's some Christian. Um, uh, uh, kind of symbolism involved in, in some kind of wreaths, um, the circle kind of symbolizes eternity, the eternal love of God, or can also symbolize um, the crown of thorns um, and then using berries on it to symbolize uh, jesus 's blood um, which which uh, which covers us and, and makes us whole and so she thought like she can invite people and, and have these kind of uh, his, these Christian ancient Christian symbols just to hand to, to chat as she 's talking with her her friends and neighbors about while they're making wreaths. thought that was a
2: lovely idea. Any thoughts? Yeah, I did come up with ten top tips, but I'm not going to give you them all now. Um, <laughs> so I'll give you a couple of um, things that I was thinking about, about... Um How to make the most of of this opportunity. Um, And I guess the first first thing I'd want to say is just be intentional and just think, what am I going to do? Like Jonathan says, there's never an easier time to invite someone to to church. Um, But it might not be that, you know, is there um, a video you could share on your social media page if you're into that kind of thing that might just provoke people or get people thinking? You know, what's the little sign-off message you're going to write in your Christmas card if you send Christmas cards? Just be intentional. Um, about this season and think you know who do I who would I like to communicate something of the the message of of hope this Christmas to and and how might I do that to my neighbors invite them in for mince pies or or whatever it it might be just be intentional and actually think about it Um, and then my second tip would be to um, be provocative in conversations about Christmas Um, so I was out for dinner on Friday night with some friends of mine um, and they're both atheists and then we were talking about what you're doing, at, you know, this weekend. And I said, oh, well, on Sunday night, I'm going to be telling people that Jesus wasn't born in a stable. And they kind of went, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, actually, if you look at the Gospel accounts, it doesn't even mention the stable. And we then got into a conversation about was Jesus really born in a in a stable. What does the account actually say? Well, it just says a room, um, and it's probably more likely it was in a household. now the conversation didn't go, you know, as far as perhaps I would have liked it. But it it was um, good to just get into a conversation about the meaning of Christmas. Just to, I guess, you know, show that we think about these things. It does matter. Um, we're talking about facts here and, and historical figures. Um, so just be. Provocative in sort of the way you talk about Christmas or, you know, ask your friends, what are some of the traditions that you have at Christmas that you really like and that are significant to you? And then hopefully they'll ask you what are the ones that are uh, significant to you? And then you can share something about how you celebrate Christmas christmas um as a christian so i think sometimes less is more um in conversations just saying one or two little things that just sound a bit different from what they might be expecting and might spark a conversation or might not but you know that's down to god not not us yeah Uh,
0: that reminds me actually that um Something that I've found—I sing in a choir, as some of you will know—and um, one of the songs that we're practicing at Christmas is um, uh, "Do You Know Carol of the Bells." Do 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 do. It's the most
2: stressful song. It's like—and it and really sticks in your head. So really thanks for that, sorry, yeah. <laughs> because,
0: and it's just this kind of constant. Uh, I genuinely think it's like—it's all the kind of pressure of Christmas. Mm. Without any of the, it, doesn't mention Jesus at all. and it, <laughs> when we practice it at, um, at choir, we all came out going, "Oh my goodness." Like I, I, was, I was, I sort of said, you know, this is all the bad stuff about Christmas, and none of the, of the like the way that we do Christmas, and none of the good, none of the really good stuff about Jesus. Um, it kind of just gave a bit of an opportunity. I think that Carol was like designed to bring on stressful whatever, and that's not what that Christmas is about. Uh, let's gather together any idea. Oh, actually, I'll keep this on and I'll run around with a microphone um, in case anyone's got any good ideas that they want to share uh, for how they might intentionally. Um, want to share the good news of Jesus. Has anyone got something they'd like to share?
3: Oh, was that on? Hello, yeah, yeah. hi. Um, my one was um, triggering larger family Christmas meal, tension, meal. Standing behind everyone's chair before everyone enters the room and praying specifically with that, for that person, for Jesus to be with that person, not just at the meal, but throughout Christmas in the way that they need. So if it's someone suffering with addiction... (laughs) We made a joke, turning the wine into water, but I am actually going to pray that. Uh, (laughs) I am actually, thanks for that, I'm going to pray that. Um, It's it's a bar that Jesus, I think, will find funny. Um, And just, like, praying for, like, others to see each other compassionately through the eyes of Jesus, and literally really going hard on the prayer before that meal. Then as the awkward, like, are we going to say grace, are we not going to say grace sort of moment appears, just jump in with, like, Mm. a lot of energy and be like, do you mind if I pray for you? Let's start. Father God, thank you so (laughs) much. Do you know what I mean? And then send the prayer up. Pray, obviously, beforehand, but send the prayer up with a, like, whoop energy. So it's like a cheers moment. But actually, you've... um, you've jumped the cheers moment to not be about the alcohol, but just to be about the vibe. And that was, my, uh, that was my suggestion. I like
0: that. I love that. I really like that. And I think that I love that kind of prayer emphasis. It makes me think like when we're, when we're writing cards for people, we might pray for words of knowledge for them or pray, you know, what is there something specific that we think God has put on our heart for that person? Um, you know, it might take a while to get through all our cards, but what a great thing to do for a few people. Thanks, Suja. That's great. Any other thoughts to share?
2: For me be, I, th- I think it's going to be quite subtle um, because that's where my energy levels are at the moment so I think generally at work I kind of liked and was listening to the conversation about um, Jesus might have been born in in spring and um, I think that I'll just do that in in the kitchen where we sort of banter and we knock you know a bit like ships that pass in the night and to stimulate conversation just very subtly oh, do you know that do you know what you know and then just to somehow bring it more around to, to Jesus instead of what, what presents are you getting your children and stuff like that, to just bring that into um, subtle but fun and interesting nuances. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, very I subtly In the kitchen with staff.
0: Love yeah. that, thank yeah. you, Katie. Thanks. Great, thank you. Maybe we'll jump into some prayer as we wrap up. Uh, as CJ says, that's, um, that's where it all starts, right? Um, if we, uh, we wanna pray, that Jesus is at the centre of our Christmases um, and for our friends and family who don't know him. So we'll end our time together in by coming to Jesus. So Lord God, I thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Jesus, that by your spirit you dwell in us. And I pray that as these weeks progress and we come towards Christmas, we will come to know you more, that we will... Um, your life in us will, will, will um, be so real to us that we'll we'll know you better with each passing day. And uh, we pray for um, these people that we've been bringing to you that they might um, draw closer to you over these coming weeks. We pray for provocative and um, hope-filled conversations. We pray for opportunities to even pray for our family and friends. Pray for words of knowledge that will help us speak into their lives. We pray for opportunities. And Lord, we, we commit to you every service that will happen in this building and, and uh, surrounding this, this church, this group of people. We pray that by your spirit, you would be um, inhabiting them and drawing people to know you because of the, your, your gospel proclaimed here. Lord, I ask your blessing on each one of us for the week ahead. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, uh, yeah, that you would um, help us be more like you, that you would meet us in our places of need, that you would uh, sustain us, that you would fill us, and you'd grow us. We thank you that this, we ask this prayer, knowing that you are good and your love endures. And so may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with each one of us and those who we love tonight and always. Amen.